127 on the mic exists simply as an extension of our college ministry 127 at FBC Bryan. Our prayer is that this podcast be used in accordance with you belonging and investing into a local body. We hope that this resource is growing in a relationship with and understanding of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Yo, 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 we will see you not tomorrow night. Woo! Welcome to the podcast. Let's go Thursday afternoon. Hello, everybody. How are we feeling? Pretty good. I'm pretty good. Pretty good? Pretty good, man. Pretty good, man. What were you chanting about over there? You just said Wee. something that uh, you said we won't see you tomorrow night uh, because there is no tomorrow for baseball. Well, season because. starts. Yeah. Because yeah. the season ended yesterday. Mm. Mm. This is why I said people are going to hate us because I feel like every podcast intro during the month of September and October is baseball chatter, but baseball related. That's they, right. they better get used to it by now. So, but you know, I mean, how are you feeling about it? I'm, I'm, I feel vindicated. <laughs> Let's just say that vindicated? vindicated because there was this long, just period of accusation against me for years against you. They were attacking you. Um, partially. Yes. It felt like it. It felt like it felt like, it. Okay. um, and just that the, um, Stop. How do I say this? <laughs> it's just like I just felt weighed down for so long, and now the oh, man we have we have finally been victorious. What were you weighed down by? Just can't the, couldn't be sin anymore. The been set free. Defeat, defeat. When mm. when you're you know is that I told somebody uh, today that I'm excited that the series is over because now Caleb can start doing his job. <laughs> <laughs> Cause he, he would he would walk in during games and just be like shaking like <laughs> just tripping out. I know it was so intense for Rangers fans. I'm oh, sorry. I'm, I'm glad you guys finally won um, and accomplished what you've never done before. Yeah, yeah. Bring home that trophy. So right before I went to, to bed last night, this is these were probably not direct words, but similar message. Yeah, it's like great series. Y'all won it fair and square. Uh, I think the World Series was the ALCS, but here we are. And uh, oh yeah, sure. I think y'all should have been playing a better team. Yeah. Um, and yeah, that's that's how baseball go, though. Yeah, that's how baseball go. Did you hear my? Uh, I don't think you've heard this yet. Probably not. I think they should change the. And this has caused a lot of conversation between Caleb and I, so this is fun. Um, I think the the playoff format should switch to each division winner, and then the top wild card team. So four teams from like each. it was before. Mm-hmm. So four teams from from each league. Yeah, and um, there's no buy. Yeah, it's seven game series off rip. So you go seven seven seven. So you still have a month of baseball. Yeah, and was it? I don't think it was exact. five seven seven before. Yes, division was, division was five. Yeah, and the championship was seven and yeah. then seven. Yeah, because okay. um, I think. There's been arguments of, well, if playing a poor division, well, then they're going to get wiped yeah. the, first, the first round. Um, and this isn't just a this year thing. This has been like, even when we started to get good, I was like, why, why do we have so many rounds in the playoffs? Sure. This is ridiculous. And you end up with 84 win teams in the World Series because they just get hot. Yeah. Which again, you have to be hot in October to win the World Series. Yeah. Even if you have four teams from each league, you still have to be playing good baseball. Sure. I, th- I think so. I like the th- the five, and then the, there's a wild card series that it's four versus five and a best of three, and then you have 
I guess. I think so. that wild card game used to just be one game. I know, but I think I think it should be three. I think it would um, be fun if it was three, seven, 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 because then you have, you know, that would have been the Rangers and the Rays this year. The Rangers would have won the wild card series, played the Rays in a seven game se- or the Orioles, sorry. Twins would have been against the Astros. And then I, I think three, seven, seven, seven is the best way to go. Meowza. Um, yeah, because so. then you have two wild cards and you have teams with 88 to 90 wins usually making it. So, mm. but yeah, that's rough. That's a lot. That's a lot of baseball for people it's that shouldn't be there. Yeah. And that's, I mean, that's been the, just the stipulation for me. I, I like it, but I like it. Here we are. The bad part is, is this, nobody watched this series. Yeah. And baseball has been in like crazy course correct mode for viewership. Yep. That's and they thought they got this changed. right. And they just went, no. Yep. Which I don't understand why that was. Like, it, maybe it was because the Diamondbacks weren't very good. But I feel like we have a lot of fans. Like, I mean. Well, you're in the same room with them. And so it feels like there's a lot of people there. But the Rangers are. Uh, well, I mean, the Metroplex is huge. Yeah, but they're, that's, it's like saying there's a lot of Spurs fans. Like, that's the, like Spurs fans are really loud. But I lived in San Antonio. And they never go to games. Mm-hmm. And so I, I, got, I went to 20 Spurs games for free. You could, they were like, hey, you want to come to a game? You want to bring 20 of your students? Mm. Uh, sure. Because they're, you know, they were the first stadium to put colored seats in their stadium, different color seats. Yeah. So it looked like people were there when they weren't. Oh, wow. And so on TV, it looked like people were in they the were audience, there. but they weren't. They, were that, they had to do that. And they're a great franchise. It wasn't when they were bad. They were yeah. winning trophies and nobody, nobody went. And so like even the, the I'm, I, I agree, like everybody that I'm around right now is a Rangers fan. And, and so it feels like there's a lot of them. But it was it was not that even the nationwide like poll map mm-hmm. was like who do you want to win the World Series like here's Arizona and who's here's Texas yeah. and then everyone else was like I don't care who's I want the Reds to win like, yeah. the Reds aren't in it oh yeah. then I don't care um because I mean these were like I was looking at the numbers game one two three and four were the lowest all time mm-hmm. viewership and, and it, I guess it makes sense like if you look back into like the seventies and eighties because mm-hmm. that's all that's all that was on TV oh there's forty million people watching those games. But but even yeah. like 2010s and 2015, like 2015, 2016, 2017, like, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, which I don't know when, because the NBA even, started. Even 2020. Like, it was it was less than 2020. That's, yeah. the, sh- that's the shocker. Yeah, and I, I don't know why that is. Again, I don't think it's like specifically based on the teams. I think maybe. It's situational because the, the Red Sox, we're still in baseball talk, I'm sorry. But when the Red Sox broke the curse in 2004, Mm-hmm. that was the second high. So that's 20 years ago. That's the second highest number of viewers in the last 20 years was in 2004. And mm-hmm. the first was when the Cubs broke theirs. Yep. And that was, that was a game seven, 40 million people tuned in yeah, and game. nobody's come close to that. Mm-hmm. Like that was 40 million people there. And last night, last night there was like eight for a, for a closeout game. There were 8 million people watching the game yeah. and it felt like 6 million of them were here. Yeah. And so <laughs> it's true. Crazy. Yeah. I, I don't know. But baseball will do something, and it'll probably yeah. be wild card driven, and they're going to scrap it again and flip it on its head. So, but excited for that. I, th- I think I would just wish people would, you know, not misinterpret the way that fans are. You know, every time he tries to turn, what a little smirk comes on. <laughs> I, was, I can see it out of the. How do we misinterpret mic. the fans? Um, no, I think I think the numbers were just taken out of context. You know, oh, so, there, are, there are a lot of people no. on one viewership. Yeah, yeah. like our TV. 
we had 1.1 million people watching it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so that's exactly. a factor. It's exactly. Eight, it's 8.48 million times, yep. at least 300,000. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. So then yep. there's like, <laughs> like a billion people watching it. <laughs> Just out of context. Here we are. This is crazy. Uh, been number in these episodes. Number 55. Five, five friends. On the docket. It's uh, over a year. Wow. Here we are. And, I'm proud uh, of you. We are um, on the topic of verses out of context. I'm so proud. Um, so we'll, we'll be talking some examples and kind of debunking some of these verses. But um, I mean, what, what, are we, what are we even talking about when we say a verse is out of context or someone says you took that passage of scripture out of context? Like, what, is that, what does that mean for someone? Uh, there's a word that is often used in talks of this or just in terms of Bible interpretation. It's called eisegesis. This this idea that you're reading a meaning into the text, or that you're um, looking at a verse and assuming that it means something that it it doesn't, or like we say, reading a verse out of context is just assuming a meaning that the intended author, the original author, didn't intend for his audience to hear. And so that'd be like if I if I told Zach something and he knew what I meant, but somebody else that that wasn't part of that conversation, but I saw it written down was just like, Oh, he meant this when that's not what I meant at all. That's kind of what we mean by taking a verse out of context. It's not really understanding it in its original meaning. Mm. Good word. That's it. I mean, you don't, don't pull biblical application and try to um, apply it to your current context. Do you, in fact, you flip it and you apply your life to biblical context. See how it works. What are yeah. like the, the most common areas that, that we see this? Because um, I think there's some some trends um, or just some areas of commonality that we see this uh, just so like the listener can be, okay, I need to be a little bit more cautious when, when in this space. I, I think an easy one is just when it comes to blessing or promises of blessing in the scripture that like verses that seem like they're promising or um, offering something to a person if they have a certain action. Like I think the Proverbs are just a good example of this, that we think that they're promises and that every um, verse in the Proverbs is, if I do this, then God will bless me in this specific specific way. And that's not always the case. And so I think just the first kind of notifier maybe is, does it seem like the the verse is a promise or like some sort of physical blessing. Cause yep. I think we often take those out of context. Good. Are you, are you asking like more, more vague or more specific on that question? Like, like what are some things that people need to be aware of, like in their approach to scripture or like even specific scriptures? Either or. Either or. Whichever uh, your heart's leaning towards. Oh, thanks for that. Uh, that's dangerous. Um, <laughs> because uh, whichever way your heart is leaning, the heart is evil above all things. And so don't, um, okay. that, could be the, that could be the first step in biblical interpretation. Don't trust yourself. Uh, True. Here, here's how I want to answer this kind of before for big picture. This, this is my thought. Uh, we have bread, uh, not literal like sandwich bread. We have, we have built, we have bread, we have, we have, brought about within America, a really lazy culture. Um, and, and some of these are based off of like really, really good inventions, Amazon prime, like way to go, but you don't have to work like really hard for things drive through. 
Um, it used to be that if you wanted a hamburger, you had to go home, slaughter said cow, <laughs> process mm. said cow, grind up that meat, start the fire, do all of that to get your hamburger. You know, you're growing wheat, everything. It was a much harder process back then. Now it's not. Mm. Zach will pull out his phone and he will open the McDonald's app, I think, right? You order from the app? I do. Okay. Lots of rewards on and there. And so, so he gets some kind of discount from there and he orders and then he drives up. Do you have to go through the drive-thru or are you like pull in a parking spot? Uh, I do both. It just uh, depends. It depends on how he's feeling. Yeah. Like whichever one's fastest if, probably at that if, point. The drive-thru one. If I'm feeling extroverted, I'll yeah. uh, do the drive-thru. If I'm Extrovert. not. Okay. Um, so you like literally have to talk, talk to somebody <laughs> yeah. in the drive-thru. Wow. Okay. So, so what we've done there is eliminated so many steps to get to this point and it's, it, it's made it lazy. You can have something delivered to your house without trying. You can order food really quick. Um, if your Wi-Fi gets slowed down, you get irritated, all of those things, because we, we don't want to wait, which also you could say, we don't want to do harder work to get somewhere that we have now made easier. And some of those things are great. It's easier for me to get from here to Japan than it's ever been. And so missions becomes easier a lot of those God is using when we, when your approach to, to biblical interpretation, if you take shortcuts in this, it's dangerous. Now there are, there are faithful men and women who have, who have brought about resources that we trust that are, that, that do a great job of handling scripture that you could go, what does this verse mean? And you can lean into somebody who can help you understand what said verse means. But in order to rightly interpret scripture, if you take the shortcut and don't go, who's the audience, what's the historical and cultural context of the audience? What, what place in God's redemptive story does this verse or to this chunk of scripture play? Um, how am I using those things to help me more legitimately understand biblical text? If you're not doing those things, then you're already in dangerous waters. Instead, you just mm -hmm. read it and go, how do I apply that to my life? Yeah. That's, you're taking a shortcut that I understand because our culture breeds shortcuts. Mm. And, and so thinking about your relationship with Jesus uh, there's a lot of single people out here. They're still figuring out this whole dating thing. Here it is. Like relationships are hard. Relationships take work. Understanding the other person takes work and it's worth it to do those things. Apply that same thought to your approach to biblical, you know, understanding and application and do the hard work yep. and move slower through it and see how God brings that about. And so I think the danger, if you're talking about that, like how can people easily fall into this trap or what's the thing to avoid is that that often we try to get there too fast. Mm -hmm. We just try to figure this out and then move on to the next thing. Um, I'm preaching to myself. I've been talking with you guys about this and I was talking about this in discipleship today. When we go here, here's the insider for all the rest of you. When we start walking through the book of Hebrews together, I was trying to force Hebrews into 13 weeks. And eventually, I don't know who it was, if it was me or if it's the Holy Spirit or what. I just got to the point where like, I can't do this. It's a disservice to run through this. Mm -hmm. Why not slow down, allow God's word to speak slower to college students, get outside of the legalistic promise that like, Hey, in the fall, we're doing old Testament. And then the spring, we're going to do the new Testament, lay that aside and just walk see slowly God through is. God's word and see what he does. Yeah. Um, so that's the approach that we're going to have in the book of Hebrews. I think that for the entirety of biblical application would be wise for us to go, Hey, slow down, mm. read the Bible in a year. Sure. Like commit to that, but don't try to interpret the Bible in a year. Mm. Just read it. Then come back and try to interpret the Bible over a lifetime. Yeah. That's a good word. Sorry. I need to write that one down. Um, yeah, it, we recorded it. It's right. Look, it's read. It's yeah. recorded. Uh, I guess just like, this is, I just, this thought kind of sparked when you were talking about that. How do you, how do you balance that in a quiet time where you either pick a chunk of scripture or you're walking through a book and, uh, you know, five verses are, are what you're going to try to tackle. Um, how do you balance just like, I'm going to read this. I'm going to 
going to take what, what the spirit speaks in it. So I'm going to apply it to, and, and balance that with, um, this idea of like getting deep, um, background and original meaning for writing. Cause for some people that's, that's a, that's a challenge and yep. maybe they don't have the resources to do that. Cause really new to the Bible and they're just reading it. Like what's, what's the balance in a quiet time of just like reading and applying compared to what you're talking about of getting, getting background and getting context and things like that. Yeah. I mean, I would, I would say, uh, start with prayer anytime that you read God's word, because, um, it's so much harder to arrive at the intended meaning of the author, uh, when you're not dwelling in the author's presence. I mean, we, yeah. we, we say that God wrote the Bible and yet often we, we find ourselves trying to interpret it like it's just some other text. Mm-hmm. Um, like it's just an, like a, a, another English book that Historical we, that we would read, yeah. uh, because, you know, we, we were trained in high school, um, and, and not that this is wrong, but we were trained in high school to, when we approach a passage to understand the themes, understand the context, when it's like a story, we want to, we want to see the plot and the setting and understand the characters and, and what's the, the main idea in this. Um, what are the kind of the motifs or the themes or the, the figures of speech, all of these things. Um, but when we have the Bible, we, we know, and we believe that God spoke it to us. And so I think even just before you read saying, okay, Lord, this is your word. I realize that I need your help to understand and interpret it correctly because it's your word. Um, the Bible says that you are, you are higher that your words and your, your wills and your thoughts are higher than my thoughts. And so I realized that on my own, I, I'm not going to understand this completely because it's, it's God's word. And so I think just approaching the Bible from the, from the onset that, hey, I need to pray and ask God to guide me and to help interpret his word. Because the Bible says that, that uh, we, we won't understand it, that the, the wisdom of God is foolishness to men. And so just this idea, again, that, that without God's help, you can't rightly understand it. Mm-hmm. But I think that if, if, you're, if you're right, your plan is to read a few verses here and there, obviously it's a lot harder to get the context of the entire chapter, the entire book. Um, the entire thing. And so I would, again, just some humbly submit with prayer and then always just go back and read summaries of the chapter of the book. If you can, um, everybody has access to Google. And so even if you everybody. can't find a con like a commentary, you can always just go, okay, what is Paul's message here? in you know, say you're reading Philippians three that day, what is his message in Philippians three, one through six, one through five, because again, like John said, there's faithful men and women who've studied it for years that are going to understand it and have, have sat with the Lord to understand the correct meaning of the scriptures. And so I think my, my, just my last piece of advice is just, even when you read a few verses at a time, don't try to separate them from the rest of the Bible, like the rest of the letter or the work or the book, because it's never so separate. Mm-hmm. You've been sitting in a church bathroom a couple times doing the thing that you do when you're sitting in the church bathroom uh, a couple times and somebody turned the lights out. Uh, I have that to me all the time. We do it to happen. Caleb just for fun. Like we see when he goes in there and then we're like, <laughs> oh, just flip the switch off. Not me, but I think Daniel Webb does that. Um, <laughs> and, and so you, you turn on your flashlight. <laughs> yeah. This is the thing before, before Google, before the fact that we had a computer in our pocket, before you sat down wasting time on said toilet, playing whatever random game you are or reading sports trivia or playing, what's that sports game you play where you like pick the immaculate grid. grid. Yeah. The immaculate grid. They are sitting there, you know, immaculate toilet session with the immaculate (laughs) grid. 
before all of that was a thing, if you were in said bathroom and somebody came and turned the light off, what do you do at that point? Because you don't have the flashlight phone in your pocket. You're in the dark. Yeah. And so you wrap up what you're doing and you shuffle your way blindly out of the room to, to what? To the light. <laughs> to, to back to the light, just to get in there. And so often we just read scripture in, in the dark and everyone lost reads scripture in the dark. The Holy Spirit's responsible for turning the light on. This is John 14. This is John 16. Like the Holy Spirit illuminates truth. Yeah. Um, if it's breathed out by him, then he gets to play that role to go. He, understand that if I'm the breath, if I'm the breath of God, then this is what I get to do is to bring to light the beauty, the interpretation, the glory of said scripture. Mm. And so sometimes when you're just struggling with that, um, you need to like bring out Psalm, uh, 119, 18, open my eyes that I may see the beauty or the wonder of your word. Mm. Like, why not ask that every time you sit down yeah. and, and, and that's just a reset, like for all of you to go, when I'm going to open my Bible, God, would you just open my eyes to the beauty of this? Cause I can't see it myself. I need, I need the spirit of truth to illuminate this in my life and just pray that prayer and see what he does mm. and, and then relieve the pressure and go, Hey, whatever divine, anything that I see that comes from God's word is going to be the spirit's responsibility in me. I don't want to figure this out myself. I don't want to understand this myself. I would rather him yeah. push me in that truth. Um, otherwise, because this is what we've done. That analogy works in a couple ways. Now somebody turns the light off. You have the shortcut. He said it like we all have Google there. Um, and sometimes you'll just like, what does this mean? Mm -hmm. And then you start and pull out the top result. And it could be from who knows where that's giving their interpretation of what that means. That's also lazy exegesis. Sure. Read that and go, maybe go somewhere else, maybe, and, and keep developing those because like, honestly, the scripture is the most important thing that God has, has given us know that it is a beautiful gift to you. And mean, and you should do the hard work to handle it rightly but understand like this, as you work, the spirit promises to reveal said truth to you. And so instead of just like getting lazy and be like, well, the spirit's going to speak it to me no matter what. No, give him multiple opportunities to speak it to you. Because mm -hmm. if the spirit's going to speak to you, then you should be like all the time. Mm -hmm. Keep speaking, keep doing this. Keep, if it's through prayer and through opening up God's word and through community, I'm going to keep doing that because I want to hear from the spirit of truth to reveal those things to me. So I can understand sometimes you're going to sit in the dark. But, but get up and run to the light. Don't yeah. just like cheat yourself yeah. out of that. That's good. Yeah, y'all probably heard this said, but I think the greatest resource that you have to understand the Bible is the Bible. Yeah. Um, and so even as, as you wrestle with um, what verses mean or just like trying to understand context without having to, to run to, to external resources, go to the resource that you're reading itself. Yeah. Um, and that's usually a huge help. So um, I guess just kind of transitioning a little bit, um, this kind of gets into the idea of just like, I don't know why this thought came to my head, just like vision verses. So like for us, like Philippians 127, yeah. are we taking that out of context and we're just like Philippians 127 and we just start applying it to everything? Yeah. Um, or I mean, just a vision verse for any sort of ministry or program or, or anything like that. Or someone throws a sticker on the back of their car that's, you know, John three sixteen like, like what's, you know, like <laughs> I what? I thought of. <laughs> <laughs> don't drive faster than your guardian angel can fly oh <laughs> in the back of like what does that even mean <laughs> yeah, i have no idea I but yeah go for it yeah i think again just a general rule of thumb is like with any verse if we apply it to the original context who was this written to so for instance with with philippians 127 paul was writing to the letter to the church in philippi Bye -bye. from prison 
And he's saying, you know, whatever happens, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. So his intended meaning was that, hey, church in Philippi, you are facing trials. You're facing a lot of these things, but hey, you can have joy and serve Christ uh, well. And so I think we have to, uh, the word would be, uh, that I learned the other day was called principalizing. It's finding the meaning in that context and a, giving it a, a continued meaning in our context today. You're not changing what it means, but you're applying that meaning to our context today. And so I think for us, we, we've, we've saw that, okay, the verse means to serve Christ with joy and to live for the gospel then. And we, we we're doing that in 127. And so I think just in any vision verse, you have to, again, look at the original meaning. And am I doing the same thing that, that is being called to do then? Um, we're not, we're not changing the meaning from then to now. And I think that's the, that's the key to, um, rightly interpreting those vision verses. Sure. Well done. Yeah. So I guess, I guess with that, what are, what are some common verses that are taken out of context that that we can just quickly squander um, <laughs> and, and give some, I guess, just direction. And, and people have probably heard these before and like, yeah, I know that. But I think being um, reminded of these verses that are that are quickly taken out of context, I think you start to see it in a lot of spaces um, that they're being applied incorrectly. And so I think it's important to, to just kind of walk through some of these. So ready, set, go. No one moved. Yeah, we're stuck. <laughs> I mean, everybody knows Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Mm. Um, just, I mean... That'll, that'll sing. It's a good uh, song. I mean, clearly, if you just read the chapter, again, like we're going to talk about context a lot today, and context, really, the I think the easiest way to solve a lot of these verses being taken out of context is just read the entire chapter that that verse is found in or read the section that it's found in. Again, Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through him who strengthens me. If you just go to the verse right before that, or verse 11, he says, Not that I'm speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be brought low, and I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. So clearly, Paul is talking about being content, whether you have a lot or you have a little. It has nothing to do with... Um, I can do everything that happens in this world through my own strength. That's clearly not what, what the case is. So again, I think just in any uh, verse that you're confused about, that you don't understand its meaning, go back and read, again, this the section in the, in the paragraph that it's found in. Because a lot of our misinterpretation of certain verses comes when we isolate that verse. We isolate that one verse and think that it's all alone by itself. Nobody speaks like that in any literature like nobody just says uh, a sentence and then means a completely different thing by the word that they use based on what they said before let me give you an example if i'm talking to zach and i say um he's gonna do something baseball <laughs> no no oh, our, my not. professor my professor gave me this this example and it was like hey uh it's it's halloween do you want some candy like i have some Reese's, i have some kit kats i have some kisses i have some um, Yo, give some, me kisses. Starburst. <laughs> like if I'm reading that and I just isolate that one, he said, Oh, do you want some kisses? Like clearly that's not about yeah. a, a romantic thing in I the context. The house, I guess, hey, you want some kisses? <laughs> in, in the context of what I'm saying, like it's about candy. And so I think we just have to understand like that, how that's how Bible writers yeah. write. Like they write together. It's not, it's not isolated. I love that. Um, <laughs> kisses. That's but, a great example. But yeah. That's that's an example. That's one. But uh butter. 
Mark 10, 27 says, uh, with man, it is impossible, but not with God for all things are possible with God. Learned that. So, I mean, that, that kind of goes with Philippians four thirteen, and they're the same idea. And so I, I have to be right. Or Paul, Paul could have written, God can do all things, but not, I can do all things, but for all things are possible with God though. Mm-hmm. What, you know? What's the context on Mark 10, Zachary? <laughs> I don't know. I don't have my Bible open. <laughs> I just wrote it down. Yeah, that's another general rule. Don't try to interpret the Bible if your Bible's not open. <laughs> Golly. Um, Golly. <laughs> Sorry, that, that's a little targeted. Sense. But again, the, to help the people out. Pew, pew. The, the Mark 10 is he's speaking about a rich young ruler. The, the rich young ruler is uh, right before that, the disciples were amazed. Uh, in verse 24, but Jesus said to them, children, how difficult it is to enter the kingdom of God. It's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. And they were exceedingly astonished and said to him, then who can be saved? And then he said in verse 27, with man is an impossible, but with God, all things are possible. And so again, that's not about doing anything that we want to accomplish, but it's about salvation that with God, all people can be saved with God. Salvation is possible. No matter how um, dire the situation is, no matter how improbable the situation is, God, God can always save. Context. 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 You got another one? Uh, we're going to be thought. Sure. We're going to be in uh, Daniel chapter nine uh, this week. And, and the prompting in Daniel chapter nine uh, his, it's all about prayer. So, uh, you guys get ready. Read Daniel nine. If you're, if you're coming to Sunday, uh, in the, in the first year of his reign, I, Daniel understood by the books of the number of the years specified by the word of the Lord through Jeremiah, the prophet that he would accomplish 70 years in the desolations of Jerusalem. So that's, that's what prompts his prayer. He knows that Jeremiah has prophesied 70 years. This is what's going to happen. And that pushes you back into Jeremiah and especially like verse 29, where or chapter 29, verse 11, where he says, for I know the plans that I have for you declares the Lord. Mm. Um, I think, I think NIV is like plans to plans for, for prosper, not for evil. Yeah. Uh, the ESV yeah. is plans for wholeness, which I think is a cool, a cool word. Uh, the CSB is, I don't know. Um, Jeremiah, Jeremiah, you ready to have Jeremiah. your, you, uh, your Bugatti oh, soon, Zach? Oh know. yeah. Prospering. Um, for I know the plans that I have for you. This is the Lord's declaration plans for your well being, not for disaster, mm. to give you a future and a hope. And so we quote that and we go, God is for me. Now, yep. if you want to apply that to your life, then know that what came after that was 70 years of exile and slavery is what they got. But God's still for me. Yeah, but he's for me. <laughs> but if you're Sorry, if you're a slave at that point, you're going and, yeah. and note the story when you read through Daniel, you know that a majority of those people abandoned the law of the Lord, which was their hope to get back to God. You read that, go read Leviticus, get the whole story. Um, the, the law was their hope to get back to God and they had abandoned it in its original language. They'd forgotten Hebrew when they came back. Mm-hmm. And so, so they weren't even paying attention to God at that point. So if they want to hold on to that verse and be like, oh, he's still for me. They were like, no, he's not for me anymore. We don't even want to pay attention to him anymore. Mm. But if you want to hold that verse and be like, yeah, I want to apply that to my life, then, then jump into exile for 70 years. And so what, what we're doing there is like, yes, I agree. Like you could go from that point and be like, Hey, like I agree based off of Romans eight twenty eight, mm. And I know that all things work together for good for those who love God. Like, yeah, quote that verse, but don't apply it to Jeremiah 29 and be like, he, he's for me. He's going to prosper me. It like prosper me. I, there's not evil in my future. Yeah. 70 years of exile when you're stuck in it is evil in your future if you're there right then. 
And so you have to be careful in your exegesis to not apply that to your current context because the current context is so different mm. there. I think that, that that verse echoes some truth, sure, because our future hope was so different than what their current one was. Our future hope includes Jesus. But in that, when you make the story about the redemption of Jesus more about you and your good and your well-being than what he accomplished on the cross— then you've also perverted the gospel. Like, sure, he got, you get eternity, but it shouldn't force you to be like, my life is great and comfortable now. It should force you to go praise God from who all blessings flow. Yeah. And I'm thankful for the cross, not from what I get. Mm. That's, that's the part that I push on. So, I mean, Jeremiah 29, 11 is one of those. It's like, yeah, student athlete. <laughs> Woo! Yeah, I have, I have a few more. Um, Why not? Galatians 3, 28. Let me just read the verse. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is no male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. That's a new one for me. Um, so many people I've heard try to use this verse to talk about some weird things. Um, <laughs> I mean, people that are not Christians will use this verse to say that, that God doesn't, God's not opposed to people um, changing their gender. Like, that's just foolish. Yeah. I've, I've heard people try to use this verse to, to say that there's... Foolish Galatians. Um, that when it comes to marriage that men and women serve the same roles because there's no male and female. Um, and again, we have to understand this verse in context. Paul in Galatians three is talking about salvation, that salvation comes to all who would receive Christ. And so there's neither Jew nor Greek. There's not a distinction there. There's not a distinction between slave or free, and there's not a distinction between male and female. All can come to Christ Jesus, um, in salvation. And so, um, don't, Again, don't assume that this meaning is about marital roles or gender identity. It's it's not. It's about salvation. Uh, and then another one that I've heard a lot of people use wrongly is First uh, Corinthians nine verse uh, twenty-two, and it really a, a few verses before that too. But verse twenty-two says, "To the weak I became weak that I might win the weak. I have become all things to all people." that by all means I might save some. I do it all for the sake of the gospel that I might share with them in its blessings. And so I've heard a lot of people use that verse to say that to reach people, uh, to reach people that maybe are, don't go to church or to reach people that are living in sinful lifestyles that we have to um, just stoop down to their level and we have to be all things to all people. Um, and again, that's that's neglecting the 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 main message of that chapter, Paul's not saying to neglect holiness there. He's not saying that if, if you're wanting to win over somebody who's um, struggling with alcoholism, that doesn't mean that you need to go and get drunk with them too, to reach down and, and step into their, into their life. You don't need to neglect holiness. You're not becoming all things to all people in that sense. You're becoming all things that you are um, setting aside your rights so that they may see Christ. And so there's, there's a difference there. And so I think, again, everything needs to be understood in context. Yeah. That's good. For those who don't know, I'm a big Matt Chandler fan. I want to meet him one day. Let's call him up. Yeah, I know we need to, uh, he, he preached from, from Psalm 23 and I love it because yeah. I think every time that we've read these verses, um, and the ones that we we've touched on so far, all of them involve or point to some of them explicitly, most of them explicitly say God, yeah. All of it's pointing to him. Um, it's not coming from you. All of these are just like benefits that come about when you glorify the Lord and what you're doing. Um, and that's, I mean, that's the gist of Psalm 23. Um, all these, all these promises, not promises, uh, all these things that the Lord's going to do, 
Um, it says, the Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. So good luck if you're trying to not lie down in green pastures because he's going to make you do it. Um, <laughs> he leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He leads me along the right paths. This sounds great. This is, this is good. The Lord's going to bless me. He's going to lead me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul, but it's not for my good. It's for his namesake. So even, even, even as it's glorifying the Lord um, more than anything, the Lord is so kind and so gracious that it's going to bring you these benefits. Yeah. Um, and it's not for your comfort, like John was saying, it's not for, for your name to be known, uh, but it's so that God's name is glorified at the end of the day. Um, and I think it's just interesting as we read all these verses, it's like, let's see, uh, Mark 10, 27, as we brought up earlier, like with God, things are possible. Without him, no good thing is possible. Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through him. That's God. Um, Romans 8.28, and we know all things, uh, and we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him. God's working these things. True. Jeremiah 29.11, declares the Lord. So all these things are pointing back to him. He's the source of all of these good things that bless you, but push past that and bring glory and honor to his name. Um, so I think it's just an important thing to remember. Even these verses that are taken out of context specifically are pointing to yeah. the source and the provider. And the sustainer. So, yeah, that's good. Like I would, that's where I was going to go with uh, Matthew 7, 1, because people are like, doesn't the Bible say not to judge? Hmm. That's going to be the, the thing. You're like, well, yeah, I mean, it literally says do not judge yeah. <laughs> like right there at, at the beginning of that. Um, but it, it also pushes you into so that you won't be judged for you will be judged. Okay. Mm -hmm. Do not judge so that you won't be judged for you will be judged by the same standard with which you judge others and you will be measured by the same measure you use. Um, and so in that he, it's not, Hey, you can't judge because yeah. then he goes on and clarifies like what that is. And he's like, Hey, uh, like don't misuse this because when, when we say don't judge first, it, it doesn't mean that you get rid of the law and yeah. just let people do whatever you want. That, that would be chaos. You can't do that. It doesn't mean that you turn off your brains and just let people do whatever they want to. That's also brings about chaos. It, it doesn't mean that you hit pause on every kind of moral distinctive or any, any kind of boundaries that, that moral law has, has, has driven, um, or has guided us through all of time that like, that's not what that, that is, that mm. that commandment there is necessary because what it does is it says, Hey, I need you to know this. I'm the judge. You will be judged. Mm. This story is about me, um, right off the bat. And so when you hear judge, not you go, okay, well, well, I can't measure other people in the way that I don't want to be measured. I need to make sure that the scales scales are equal. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna examine myself first. It, it 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 that's kind of the the one thing that jumps out of there. And then it also says, and also in that, just remember who you are. So Christians like take heed to that. When somebody mm -hmm. says, "Does the Bible say not to judge?" At that point, you wanna you wanna bite back and be like, "That's not what that says." Let me prove to you the exegesis of the passage. But it should highlight that that we need to remember who we are. Mm. And, and Jesus is going to re remind us of that. I'm judge. You are the one who is going to be judged. And so in the church, you're surrounded by family members. Um, and so treat people as family members outside of the church. You should desire for people to be part of your family, not act in ways that exclude them from the reunion, but yeah. instead act in ways that they feel included to walk into um, said reunion. Now, judgment is part of that. You got a, you got a, a brother, a sister, a cousin, or whatever acting a fool. It is loving for you to correct them 
for their restoration, not to prove them to be apostate, not to prove them to be evil, but Mm -hmm. to go, I want you to be here, to be welcomed here, and you need to act a certain way to get here. Um, And so even that helps reset you. So when that verse becomes more about Jesus than it does about how, about you and even maybe how you treat other people, um, then the context makes more sense. So his point there in Psalm 23 is so stinking strong. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Any final words there for the, uh, for the audience, Caleb? Yeah. I mean, there's, we could, we could go on and on of just verses that are taken out of context again. And I want to encourage everybody with this. It's hard. Like, hear me. It's hard to understand, um, some parts of the Bible simply because of the fact that it was written almost 2000 years ago. I mean, every new Testament book was written almost 2000 years ago. Every old Testament book was written at least 2,500 years ago. And so there's just parts of, of literature, like style, um, like word use that we're not going to really understand. Um, And so again, that's where we have to lean on the spirit. We have to lean on Christ to help us understand what he meant in that specific time period, what he meant. Um, and what truth is he trying to teach us today in that, um, verse? So again, lean on the spirit, but also again, uh, realize that when you are stuck on a verse, apply it like they've been saying of how does this fit the entire narrative of the Bible? How does this fit into the, um, the idea that Christ is the center of the scriptures? Uh, because if, if I'm arriving at a meaning that doesn't really um, go with Christ being the center of the scriptures, then it's probably a wrong meaning. It's most likely a wrong meaning. Yeah. So again, just really gauge every every verse that you have in the context of where do I see Jesus in this? And if, if this verse is saying something against Jesus, then I'm not inst- understanding it rightly. Mm. I, think, I think that's just a good rule of thumb. Yeah, it's solid. Good stuff. Gentlemen, you got a thought over there? Or you just typing away. I was typing. I was typing away. I was replying to a text message. Love that. All right, friends. Thanks for uh, thanks for hanging out. Thanks right, for your man. wisdom. Uh, thanks for thanks for listening, audience. And um, most importantly, go Marlins. See you tomorrow. Night. <laughs> just kidding. I won't see you tomorrow night. Who are you gonna see tomorrow night? I think it's like 147 days away. Baseball. Amen. <laughs> <laughs>